Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this day. We ask now that you be with us as we hear your word proclaimed. May it enter into our hearts and into our minds so that it may also then enter into our actions. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, last week I mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we began our sermon series entitled The Missional Heart of God. Before the sermon last week, I shared briefly our Indiana Conference goal uh, that all of our congregations in Indiana would be missionally engaged by 2020. And this requires every member to begin to embrace an identity as a missionary. Often I know when we think about missionaries, we think of them as people who, are, uh, who leave everything behind to do ministry in far-flung places around the globe. And they go and we pray for them and we offer our financial support for them as they do their work. But you might remember that Jesus, following the resurrection and before he ascended into heaven, gave us what we now call the Great Commission. It's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This ending part here, remember that I am with you always to the end of the age, kind of reminds me of the end of our scripture reading from Acts and to the ends of the earth, everywhere and forevermore, Christ is with us. Jesus' command to go and make disciples of all nations does not contain any qualifiers, and it was not meant just for pastors or mission committee uh, members or even what we would think of as traditional missionaries. It is given to all who claim to follow Jesus. When we isolate mission work from Christ's larger disciple-making mission, we can become distracted from actually engaging in and experiencing the joy of the mission of disciple-making ourselves. It is all of our work. So as followers of Jesus, uh, say it with me. Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And while I know it may feel a little uncomfortable at first, Today we will build on this identity as missionaries who are sent on a mission by God, talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit, which God has given to us to empower and to equip us for this work. Every member is a missionary because we have all been sent on a mission by God, and we all have the capacity to have a kingdom impact wherever we find ourselves located in the world. Last week, several of you were able to identify where your mission field was when we turned to our neighbors. It might have been your family or your neighborhood, your school or your workplace. And others of you were tasked to keep your eyes open and pray for God to help reveal it to you. So if you said you didn't know last week, did you pray about it? Did you try to ask God to open your eyes and to see where God was placing you and maybe where... People God was putting in before you and maybe not just thinking those interactions were coincidental, but maybe uh, they were things that were given to you by God as opportunities. Well, I hope you did. Well, our scripture reading today we heard is from the book of Acts. And here Jesus makes a promise to his disciples. 
He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then, um, on what we now celebrate as Pentecost, the birthday of the church, that promised Holy Spirit did come, and it remains with us still today. The Holy Spirit is what animates all that we do as members of the body of Christ. It is what allows us to do, as Jesus said, even greater things uh, than I have done. Uh, you know, sometimes we think that's, oh, Lord, Jesus, we can't possibly do greater things than you have done. You have done everything. You're the Savior of the world. But what Jesus meant by that was, you know, I'm one person. When he was on the earth, he was one person, and he could impact the situations and the people right before him. He took on how many disciples? Just 12. He even had a limited group of people that he really had an impact and influence over. And then he sent them out. And then they made disciples, and then they sent them out, and it spread throughout the world. And for the last 2,000 years... This message, the good news of Jesus Christ, continues to spread. And that's how we will be able to do even greater things than Jesus. Uh, because we all together uh, can reach more folks uh, than he could ever have done just by himself. The Holy Spirit is Christ's very spirit dwelling in and passing through us as we participate in building for God's kingdom and witnessing to the good news of his love and his grace. Now, this is a big mission, and we get to be a part of it, but God knew that we could not do it all on our own. Because imagine, I mean, just very thought of this idea that, you know, we're going to do it to the ends of the earth, and uh, that just alone would make most of us kind of cringe and go, oh, that's way too big for me. I couldn't possibly ever do that. And you're right, you couldn't possibly ever do that. And God never wanted you to do it all by yourself. God said, I will send you an advocate. I will send you uh, the Holy Spirit to help you, but not just you uh, individually, but also all of us collectively uh, throughout the world living as the body of Christ, his holy church. God is mending and transforming the whole world through Jesus Christ. This, of course, includes people, but it also includes the environment, uh, political structures, organizations, families, systems, and anything else that is broken or not actively bringing life and light into the world that God created and loves. God is in the process of making all things new, and he takes us on as his partners but not as silent partners, just along for the ride, but as active partners who offer themselves up in Christ's service and trust that the Holy Spirit will show up and empower and equip them for Christ's work in the world. With the knowledge of this power from God working in and through us, both individually and collectively as members of the body of Christ, the church, I hope that you're beginning to be encouraged to expect to change the world. Because that expectation is very important. Because a lot of times we get what we expect. If we don't expect much, we often don't get much. But God has very high expectations for us. He says not only will you take it to where? To Judea, 
Jerusalem, the sound town where they're at, all Judea and Samaria, but to the ends of the earth. That's a pretty, that's a lot of confidence. That's a pretty big expectation that God has for us. So God expected us to be partners with him in changing the world, to doing as the Lord prayer says, to making thy kingdom come on earth just as in heaven. In sports, we often hear the term game changers, especially when a particular player has dedicated themselves, they've trained, they've practiced, and they develop their skills to such a high level of performance, they they can often single-handedly change a game just by their presence or their absence from it. You know, when they're not there, everybody's like, oh, we're doomed. The promise and then the giving of the Holy Spirit to all who call on the name of Jesus is a game changer. Last week we discussed that the first century world, Jesus' first disciples were confronted with as they sought to proclaim and live out the good news of of God's emerging kingdom was very similar to our world. It was pluralistic, it was spiritual, but not necessarily religious. There were major major social and structural um, and long-standing institutions that were being challenged. And the distribution of wealth favored a privileged few who were often disconnected from the plight of the poor and the disadvantaged. And yet these early Christians were not despondent or decrying that all was lost. It would have been easy for them to do that. It would have almost been expected that that's what they would do based on the circumstances they found themselves uh, surrounded by. But rather, they tenaciously began the process of infiltrating every aspect of society, beginning right where they were. Jesus' earliest followers realized that the mission of sharing the gospel conforms to spheres of influence. You know, they began to realize that the people we're going to have the most impact are the people that we're closest to. They're the people that are right in front of us every day. This meant and still means today, as Milfred Menetrea points out, that missional responsibility begins among those with whom one has the closest relationships, and then it continues with intentional establishment of new relationships among those who do not know Christ, and ultimately that extends to all the nations of the world, or to the ends of the earth, as our scripture reading today says. This has been where we sometimes get stuck. I think it's a church growth mindset that we fall into that's a little bit warped sometimes. uh, Where we think um, as if the primary reason we care about those who don't know Jesus is to keep the machinery of the church as an institution rolling on. Now don't get me wrong, missional churches do grow. If we are on mission, engaging and loving our neighbors, if we are participating in the healing of our communities through acts of service, if we are focusing ourselves daily on the mission fields that God has set before each of us individually, and if we are offering people a chance to participate in an alternative community where all people are valued as God's children, then our numbers will increase. But let's be very clear about this. We care about people because God cares about people. We care about justice because God cares about justice. We care about the environment because God cares about the environment. We love and forgive because God first loved and forgave us. God's kingdom ways motivate us. That's our motivation. 
And the Holy Spirit guides our interactions with others. Sometimes we don't know what to say. And if you don't know what to say, that's probably what you should say. Is nothing. You know, I've prayed many a time, God, give me the words to say or shut my mouth. And oftentimes, God shuts my mouth. You wouldn't believe it, but it's true. Because sometimes it's just your presence that's necessary. It's not your word. Sometimes just that person in front of you just needs another person looking him in the eye and recognizing their humanity. You're motivated by God's kingdom ways of love and peace and justice and mercy and forgiveness and kindness. And the Holy Spirit, if we let it, will guide our interactions with others. Minitrea points out missional churches act on four principles to change the world. So here's some things that we do. Uh, if we're about changing the word, Mi mission begins with relationships. It, mission is expressed in a global community. There's that crazy word again, global, uh, global and local. So both uh, because God cares about things right here, but God also cares about the world. So we care about global and local concerns. Uh, so it's expressed in both of those areas. Uh, missional churches identify primary mission fields and then missional churches touch the world. So I'm going to talk about each one of those just very briefly, and I promise today's sermon is very short. You only have like a page and a half left, so it's not long. Mission begins first with relationships. Like it or not, the people who are closest to you observe the way that you live. They observe the way that I live. And not just if you're wearing a cross or a t-shirt that says Noblesville First United Methodist Church or Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt or something like that. But no matter what you're looking like, whether it's in a suit or a skirt or whether it's in uh, shorts or swimming suit at the pool, um, people are watching and they're seeing how you act and how you treat others. And if you're a Christian, um, sometimes what they see is good, and sometimes what they see is not so good. Um, and that's why sometimes I think people come to this understanding that, oh, you Christians are all hypocrites. Y'all think you're perfect. Y'all think you're all this. But then I saw what you did, or I saw how you talked. You don't, you're not any better than anybody else. So why would I want to be a part of that mess? But that's a misunderstanding of what it means to be a Christian. It doesn't mean that we are perfect ourselves. It doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. But it's that we are trying um, to let God make a difference in our lives. And slowly but surely, we're hoping that Christ is reforming and reshaping us and renewing us, making us new so that we can be more loving and we can be more peaceful, and we can care about the things that Jesus cares about more than we care about 
our golf score or our Facebook this and that or whatever else it might be that sometimes we get focused on. And we have to be honest when we fall short with people, especially if they don't know Jesus, because they will judge Jesus based on your action, whether we like it or not. We have to ask people to forgive us. And then take them on as partners to help you to seek to live like Jesus. Say, you know what, I know I still fall short. I do, and I apologize that you're right. What I said to you was not very Christ-like. You know, Jesus rolled his eyes at me about that too. But if your life looks different, if you engage in activities that bring hope and healing, opportunities will arise to share the difference that God is making in your life. And if you take people on as your partners, they can help you to, to live like Jesus. So mission is global. You know, we now live in a global community. News from around the world comes to us almost instantaneously. You know, we've got it carried around in our pocket. Uh, our communities are filled with people from all over the world. And many of our workplaces now have uh, global reach. Um, while mission always begins at home because it is the community that, to which you are closest, many of you also now have the ability to make a worldwide impact too. You know, I know my wife Michelle gets, has some people that she's on these Facebook groups with or teachers around the world and they share ideas and things and it, it's kind of weird, but you know, because uh, they come in at all times of posts at all times of weird hours, but you know, but they are a community where they're growing and they're learning and they're sharing the things that they've learned for the betterment of their students. Uh, some of you work uh, in places where you have to get up at like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning to have a meeting with a client on the other side of the world. And while that's a pain, it, maybe it's also an opportunity. So those of you who have those places uh, where you can impact people around the world, uh, take it. Because mission is local, but it also is global. Uh, missional churches identify their primary mission fields. You know, we began that process last week when I asked you to either tell people if you already know where your primary mission field is, the place you feel God is calling you uh, to build for his kingdom, share it. And if you didn't think about it, well, some of you identified those places already. And as leaders in this congregation, um, pastors and other lay leaders in our congregation, it's our job to help you find that spot, to not let you just say, oh, Pastor Aaron, that's really nice, and I, yeah, I'll think about it. Sure, roll again, cue the eye roll. Uh, you know, I'm not really going to think about it. You know, yes, you can say everything you want to say to me, but I'm still not going to do what you say. You're not my, the boss of me. You know, you go back to your, like, elementary, you kind of revert back there and your oppositional defiance of it. Uh, but if you didn't do that, if instead you actually did think about it and realize maybe, you know, God can use me. Maybe I'm not going to end world hunger. Maybe I'm not going to bring peace to the Middle East. But somehow, God is going to use me. Maybe it's to make one meal for a kid on a Monday uh, afternoon that needs some, something to eat. Maybe it's bringing peace to your family gathering. Um, but maybe that's exactly what God wants you to be about and if you really don't know and you really want to know come and talk to us maybe we can help you or talk to some of those other people that said they did know 
go with them to their mission field. Maybe that's your mission field too, you just didn't realize it. We also identified through our uh, FCJ, Faithful Congregational Journey uh, process, some general mission fields, some things that we felt as a congregation that we are being called, places that we are being called into to be about working for the kingdom in. And these I'm going to list for you real quick. Because these are other places that there are already people in our church that have begun to work in some of these locations in various ways. And maybe you don't know where you're supposed to be. Maybe you don't know how God is calling you yet. But maybe just going, if one of these rings a bell to you, uh, call Janelle Hadley, our servant uh, ministry coordinator, or call one of the pastors, uh, and we'd be happy to get you connected with these one of these groups. There are care ministries, human trafficking, music ministry, Noblesville Main Street, special needs, Peter Farm, ESL, English as a second language, millennials, Noble Manor Apartments, which are right over here, uh, preschool, student ministry, and children's outreach, and then also White River Elementary School. So we have things going in all of these places already, places that we um, have been called and people have stepped up and are engaged in ministry. But this is not an exhaustive list. If your list name was not on here, what you identified is still your mission field and you should stick with it. But it may be a place to start if you are still not sure where God is calling you. Missional churches, last thing, touch the world. You know, think about this. Jesus was not aloof and distant. You know, God chose to come and be with us in the flesh. You know, came in a, you know, born into a very, uh, very bizarre circumstance and then quickly became a refugee. And then basically lived without a home most of his life, traveling around with a bunch of stinky old fishermen and a few other people. You know, he hung out with people that nobody would choose to hang out with. You know, respectable people wouldn't have hung out with the people that Jesus hung out with and chose to love. He got right down there in the muck and the mire of real life, and that's where we have to be as those who follow him. You know that passage of scripture that says the poor will always be with you? Sometimes we misconstrue that to justifying the fact that there are poor people in the world. But that is not what that means. It means if we are Christians, if we are disciples of Jesus Christ, we are in the places where there are poor people because they have a need and it's a need that Jesus Christ can address. And we are his hands and feet and are the ones that have to address it and do ministry with. And not just two and four. You know, are we, um, how are we known in our community? You know, are we where people are hurting and in need? Are we challenging injustices? Are we offering hope to the brokenhearted? Reggie McNeil in his book, Missional Communities, reminds us, the church represented a lifestyle that was radically different from its cultural surroundings, but radically committed to the well-being of the people in the culture. That means people don't have to do all the right things. They don't have to look a certain way. Um, we shouldn't build walls based on those things. Uh, we should not be sorry that we have you know, uh, experienced Jesus Christ and because that our lives are different and they look different. But if we live in a way um, 
that really is bringing light into the world, people will be drawn to it. We don't have to worry about them uh, transforming their lives before that. We let God do that transformation along the way. Jesus has conquered, we talked about this last week, has conquered the power of sin and death. And he has begun God's great reclamation project. And we have been chosen to be his partners in this work. We have to trust in the Spirit and use the gifts that we have been given to reach out with Christ's love wherever we find ourselves each and every day. Holy Spirit, pour out upon us that we may be open to your guidance and shape us so that we expect to change the world in Jesus' name and for the sake of all of his children. This is our prayer, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen.